Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. You know, I love a good story of somebody who just throws caution to the wind and goes after it. And today's guest is in the thick of such a journey. I found Jacob Wilkins on Instagram when I was researching white sturgeon. This is a bucket list fish of mine. It's a one of the biggest freshwater fish on the planet. And it's one that I have dreamt of going after for a long time. And a lot of the times when you think of white sturgeon, you think of jet boats, remote areas of the Fraser River, deep in British Columbia, along gorges and 100 feet of water, uh, mostly inaccessible type of fish that's going to require some kind of heavy lifting and a lot of assistance from local experts, charters, captains, guides, and things like that. Something that seems relatively unattainable to a DIY angler. But what drew me to Jacob is that this is a young guy with relatively minimal resources that is going out and catching these things in Idaho, of all places, with a landlocked population of these fish, eight to nine foot sturgeon he's catching from the bank, from a canoe, with anywhere that he can get to the water in a way that seems relatable and doable. And for me, that's very exciting. When I start to see that this is something that I could potentially go do myself, or even better, link up with a guy like that. And so the way that it should be, uh, rapport was established. This is a guy that I started talking to over the course of time, mostly with interest in learning more about the fishery, but also to, to potentially link up in the future so that you know, we could chase these things possibly together. The only thing is now Jacob doesn't live in Idaho anymore. He took that wealth of knowledge and information about how to chase these things from land, packed it up and stuck it in the back of his mind, and he headed east. And today he's occupying his time on the Gulf Coast of the Panhandle of Florida chasing sharks. The guy left everything he knows behind and rolled the dice, took a big gamble, headed out here where he has set up shop in the panhandle of Florida along the Gulf Coast, where he occupies his times today chasing sharks from the beach, uh, tuna offshore in a kayak, and he's just living an exciting, ultimate bachelor-style lifestyle. And in very short order, as a very recent transplant, the guy has really hit the ground running and just started banging out accomplishments. He's already caught great white sharks from the beach, dusky sharks, big tiger sharks, the guy's already pulling in giant hammerhead sharks, lemons, duskies, and more. And with every reason to be bursting with enthusiasm, the guy is as humble as they come. And that's one thing you're going to recognize right off the bat. And you'll hear that he takes time repeatedly throughout the course of this conversation to show gratitude and, and just thankfulness to the people who've shown him the ropes and assisted him along the way. 
This is an awesome young guy with tremendous character. This is somebody who I think a lot of other young people that are at a similar stage in their life where they're kind of wondering what they want to do may be able to draw some inspiration out of his story and where he's at. And the cool thing is he's still in the thick of it. This is all very recent. This is all just transpired within the last two years. And so his story is still being written. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Jacob is one of the most solid guys that I've had the pleasure of talking to. And now he lives even a little bit closer to me. So I still have hopes that he and I can link up, only it may be for sharks and something else, not sturgeon, but definitely a guy whose brain I like to pick on that subject. Um, but this is a really cool guy who's getting after it. And I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Awesome, awesome guy. All right. All good. We're live. Jacob Wilkins, what's going on, man? All right, nothing much. How are you doing, David? Can't complain. I'm a little envious because I see rods, I see gear, and I see you in the car. Where are you heading? Yeah, so we're headed out uh, to the beach uh, here in the Gulf. We're going to attempt uh, at some shark fishing tonight, see what we can get. Um, there's been a lot of sandbars hanging around. Um, Another that like we can't target those. Those are just kind of bycatch. So we're hoping for a big wintertime tiger. Uh, you know, we'll just just see what's hanging around. Honestly, uh, you know, it's it's that's the great thing about shark fishing is uh, you never know what you're gonna get. There's just kind of a such a plethora out here in the Gulf that uh, you know every time you get a run, it's a surprise. Right. You just recently got back in town, though, right? I mean, I mean, are you are you just freshly in town, just hitting the ground yeah. running? I went and visited my family in Idaho for about three weeks. Um, I did a little bit of sturgeon fishing there. I didn't personally catch one because, uh, funny story, before I vacation, um, I was out sword fishing um, with me and my friends. We were offshore, and uh, we are having trouble hooking them. We were getting bites. We just hadn't hooked into one yet. So I was like, all right, guys, I'll make a deal with the fishing gods. When I go back home... Um, I'm going to like not personally catch any sturgeon. I'm going to give up any sort of like black drum, red drum fishing in exchange for catching a swordfish. And then <laughs> lo, and lo and behold, I caught a swordfish. And I was like, well, now I have to keep my promise to the universe. Um, and so I only took other people fishing um, when I was back home. I met up with Spencer Wonder from Terraform Tackle. Right. Um, his friend Matt and then a, a few other buddies from home and went out and chased a few sturgeon got uh let's say like two or three um we sight fished one and then the other two were were in the big river in deep water uh so it was, it was pretty fun it was, it was uh cool getting back to my roots that's right i know you i know you can't uh you can't upset the delicate balances that be in the fishing world i know i know we're a superstitious type so i, I totally get that you got to wear a certain hat you got to wear certain underwear and uh, you can't upset uh, the fishing gods, but well, that's cool. I know I've, I've been keeping up with you for, man, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. But, dude, you seem like you're really putting in work. It, it was the sturgeon, ironically, that obviously caught my eye because that's still for me. That's still on, on the bucket list. That's still a, a dream fish. So, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't start there. But, uh, I mean, we'll touch the shark thing in a little bit. But, man, it, it was the sturgeon that really drew my interest to your page i was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling it looks like you've been at that for a while i had to kind of tell me how that got started um 
So long story short, like I grew up fly fishing with my dad. I, I actually started just uh, trout fishing um, and he was a big fly fisherman. Um, so fishing had always like piqued my interest and I always just, you know, wanted the next bigger thing as, as many sportsmen start out. And, uh, you know, that kind of transcended, I got to college and, um, I remember I was hiking at this spot called Pillar Falls in Twin Falls. That's where I got my associates. Um, and essentially it's this giant rock bridge that goes across the Snake River and there's a few little cuts in it where, uh, the, the river has like bored out tunnels through the rock and then you go on I would say the east side of it where it dumps into the lower river um, and apparently that's a fairly well-known sturgeon fishing hole and I didn't know it um, <laughs> and there's and they were slip bobber fishing it uh, interestingly enough which is fairly unconventional for sturgeon or for bottom fishing um, and he caught like a little four foot sturgeon I've still got the video of it somewhere um but like to me at the time a four foot fish was like holy cow that's yeah. that's massive. and and it really piqued my interest um and at the time i just didn't have the mindset to learn things on my own i didn't like do really any research so i just kind of sat and dreamed about it for a while um i was in a biology class with this man called Kason lewis uh, i believe his instagram handle is like gem state sports um and we were sitting next to each other in biology class. I looked over at his laptop and he had like a sturgeon decal on his laptop. And I was like, Hey, you fish for sturgeon. And he was like, yeah. I was like, if I help you with this next test, will you take me? And he's like, sure. <laughs> um, so we, we went out to this, uh, this once we bumped around two or three spots that night when he finally took me, uh, didn't, didn't really like get too many bites. Finally, the last spot we ended up, um, he tosses in and caught about a little four footer, which I was extremely excited about. I was like, wow, that's super cool. And then he hands me the rod. He's like, all right, you're going to bait it. You're going to cast it. You're going to set the hook. You're going to do everything. Um, and I ended up landing like a seven and a half, eight foot sturgeon for my first sturgeon. And, oh my um, gosh. it was just, yeah, I was, I, we were fishing such light tackle back then, like irresponsibly light, like he, <laughs> he, he knew like how to sturgeon fish and how to rig up, but just, you know, as you grow as a sportsman and learn tackle and gear and tactics, um, looking back, it was like, wow, how did we get away with that? Cause I, I fought that fish for probably like an hour, an hour 15, um, uh, which like is, is very long for sturgeon. In my opinion, you shouldn't fight a sturgeon for over 45 minutes. Like, yeah. uh, if you're fighting it for over Five minutes you need to pour the beans to him get them in take the hook out get them back in the water but um yeah ever ever since my first one it just became an addiction and, and constantly chasing that next bite um you know at one point i just completely quit fishing myself and was just taking people like right i'm, I'm not a guide i'm not certified and i don't claim to be a guide but the happiness that i got just from taking people out and giving them that experience was immaculate so like as far as sturgeon fishing goes i've never accepted a single dollar one way or another for taking people out um but i just i took that and it became an obsession and you just you learn the fishery um i would i know that it's been something that's been on your list to go and do for a while um and i would say like if you're going to do it go and do it now because um like this is going to lead into an ecological conversation um about the dams about poaching and about the different yeah. things on in idaho 
um, and how I consider it like a, a dying fishery at this point because of the different things that are going on and, and the, the decline I've seen over the years. Well, I hate to hear that. That's uh, I, I'm, I'm right now. I'm kind of targeting mid March, late March, sometime in March, but we'll, we'll see how that pans out. I got plenty of travel plans for the year, but the story's not about me, but uh, no, I, I like the way you kind of painted that picture. It's, it sounds like a story of like good, like pure networking and relationship building, meeting somebody in a good, honest way. I mean, I know how protective people can be of their fisheries. So the fact that the guy was willing to kind of do an honest trade-off like that's pretty, I, I mean, I love those kind of stories, like good, honest stories of like where, where your roots are, you know, pure, but it kind of makes me curious. Like, I mean, is that a popular fishery? Out I mean, is there a lot of people just clamoring to do that? that are like Idaho natives, or is it mostly people coming from, from out of town and, and the locals just kind of ignore it? Um, a lot of people don't even know it's there. Like a lot of the natives in Idaho are just like, wait, we have that in our rivers. We're like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it is gaining more popularity. Um, and so the, the, with the more popularity it, it gets and, you know, the more fishermen that get into the fishery, then it's, it's more, you know, the, the sacred holes become more sacred and, um, you know, the, the secret spots that, that are tougher to access become better. Um, because like we, I have seen like a, a huge increase in sturgeon fishermen, um, mm -hmm. like in the spring, when it finally warms up for everyone to get back out on the water, we'll see 20, 30 jet boats go up the river in a day, uh, which for us is a lot comparatively to other fisheries. I don't know if that's a lot or not, but usually like with, with the remote wilderness in Idaho, they're used to maybe seeing like one or two other groups kind of passing by. Right. Um, and, and it is something that people are, are starting to discover because for the size of fish you can get um, and like the, the accessibility of some of these areas uh, and the, the capability to surf cast these fish, essentially, you know, catching them from the bank. Um, it is a really unique fishery and it's gaining popularity very quickly. Um, and so it's, it's, it's an interest, like there's, there's, I hate, that there's politics around fishing and it seems like yeah. politics works nearly everything. And, and it is, um, you know, starting to do that in Idaho. And, and, uh, you know, I would like to say that like a surgeon fisherman could be on a united front, but I also think that there's a, a fair amount of pride that gets involved when like you start working your way up or at least building like a name for yourself in the fishery. Right. It's interesting you mentioned that. I, I don't know if it's just a, the culture of anglers in general, but you see that across the board with a lot of different, I mean, the alligator gar seems the same way where, you know, there for the longest time, there was like a, like a one guy at the top and then maybe he had one competitor to deal with. And then, you know, you obviously have the fallout of the explosion of social media where now you're broadcasting to the whole worldwide world that this is available and this is an option. This can be done. And so you see more and more faces and more and more people becoming bitter and protective. And I'd like to think it's because maybe it's a limited resource. I mean, I'm sure the sturgeon's kind of the same way where it's like, well, we can, you know, there's, there's, there's not room enough in the town for both of us, like that kind of mentality. But you see the same stuff even with bass guys. So I think it's just the competitive nature that fishermen have, which is unfortunate. And I, I don't know, I think your honesty in like your pureness, at least from what I've Gauged. You know, it's hard to tell what people are really like from the Internet. You can only know so much. That's part of the reason why 
I'm doing what I'm doing now and wanting to actually talk to people instead of just, you know, we live in this weird world now where communication is all through text. It's all digital. Um, it's not normal. I don't, I don't know. It's not, uh, so, you know, it's, it's better to get to know people like this, but obviously I've known about white surgeon for a long time. I mean, I've always been interested in catching big, especially freshwater fish. So, you know, I know all the guys that are running boats and running charters, they're running guide services and they have like a well put together business. But when I see these young guys grinding it out on the bank, I'm like, that is more my style. Like that's more authentic. Like these are people who love what they're doing for the purity of the sport. So, you know, that's when I probably started pestering you. I don't even remember how I first reached out, but I, I, I might've been that annoying guy that was tugging at your pant leg, trying to find <laughs> out how you do what you do. But I, I'm kind of curious though, because I don't know. I see parallels in, in my, the way that I look at fishing and maybe the way that you look at it, if I'm gathering things right. And I'm just wondering, why was trout not enough? Because a uh, lot of people seem to settle. I'm just curious, why was that not enough for you? I, I don't know. Like, I've always been just like, I want to catch big fish. And to be honest, it could have just been the validation I received from catching big fish at first. Yeah. Um, you know, and... And I don't know, it's, it's the, the constant pursuit of the unknown, I feel like, for a lot of anglers. And, you know, once you get a fishery figured out, you get on top of it, you get pretty good, and, like, you work your way up, then you're like, okay, like, what now? Like, what's the next big thing? That's kind of, like, what led me into transitioning uh, into sharks and things like that. Um, it's just, like, simply they get bigger. Um, or also, like, led me to starting to... Uh, look into other sturgeon fisheries like uh, the Dallas fishery in Oregon where mm -hmm. you know people are pulling out like 10 11 foot sturgeon during the shad run uh, regularly like they're they're you know regularly catching six to seven hundred pound sturgeon in the summer which is ridiculous yeah that's uh, nuts and, and I don't know I may be thinking into this too much but I you know I wrestled in high school and for some reason I know. And I and for some reason, I feel like you can tell when somebody it's it's a weird thing, even minus the cauliflower ear. But there's certain mm -hmm. people you can just kind of tell. And I'd be curious if it's like, I mean, I know you do the powerlifting stuff. I saw that you wrestled. I saw that you've just been you, you, you seem like you've just had a, a competitive nature about you anyway. And I always wonder if there's something to that, because it seems like a lot of the former wrestler anglers that I know is they can't seem to settle on, I don't know, your, your typical baseline type of fishing, whether it be bass or walleye or trout, just geographically, every area seems like it's got that, that one fish that people just settle on. But for whatever reason, and maybe, I don't know if it's because I just look through the scope or look through the lens of a wrestler, but it's, I always wonder if there's just something to that. Mm, uh, I think like, personally and in, in understanding your mindset as a wrestler is it's it's the constant uh seeking for improvement right because yeah. if you're not prove yourself then the other guy you're about to go into a match against is um and i feel like that's just sort of something that's deeply ingrained in us that we take through life in every aspect so once you get something figured out uh you're, you're something to push yourself more um, that's, you know, pursuit of the unknown or, or even like your, your name, boundless pursuit. I feel like that's an ideal that's rooted in that right. is a, the, you know, constant pursuit of something new that pushes you to become better. Like I've also seen you keep yourself extremely physically fit 
Um, and as people, you know, we kind of go through phases of like slacking off and getting back to it. But there's always like that burning desire for like us as people to be great. Yeah, some of that's because I en- we're actually, believe it or not, we're sitting in my gym right now. N- none of this is real. It's all fake. My my gym's right over there. <laughs> but my my wife is the is the fitness nut, and she just simply won't let me enjoy my mid to late thirties and relax. So having her uh, lighting a fire <laughs> under my butt helps. It's like if I start to slack off and get a little little chubby down here, she'll be the first one to let me know about it. But uh, yeah, that's. That's interesting. I just I always wonder if there was something to that, because I know I feel like wrestlers are competing more with themselves than they do with other people. And then maybe other kind of athletes who have a because a, a lot of people have that competitive nature, but that that might put them more into I want to catch, I don't know, bigger quantities of fish as opposed to the bigger specimen. There may be nothing to it, but that's always just one of those little theories that I had. But um you know, it was kind of, but anyway, I want to kind of like, I mean, the sturgeon thing's sort of what I've known you for, but now it was like, what has blown my mind is, I mean, when did you move to Florida? It was, it's, it's less than a year now, isn't it? Yeah, I moved here in, I moved here May 15th. So I finished up my education in fish horses at University of Idaho. Um, and I simply wanted uh, like a, a change of pace. I had been uh, burned by some very good friends back home, and uh, I just decided it was time thing big. Um, and I got the opportunity to come down here and live with some very good friends of mine. Yeah. Um, and they huge in grandfathering into me just the fountain of knowledge that they have on this fishery. And like I would not have been anywhere near as, as like knowledgeable or like anywhere near having like the catches that we have had without uh their tutelage in this fishery like they like 100 percent would not be there uh without them teaching me and and i would like to like attribute a lot of the success in my fishing career to these people who have like taken me and built a friendship with me um and and taught me a lot of things like uh in sturgeon fishing so there was case and lewis um he's the one that got me started and then i think he moved away or something um and we quit fishing together and then there was a man by the name of nick's definition and him and i fished together religiously um i remember there's this one spot that we would hike probably about two miles into um and we would spend the night on the riverbank out there fish till 6 a.m we would pack up hike out the other two miles back up to the cars i would drive 45 minutes back to twin falls um and then attend my eight o'clock class at the at the local college (laughs) the whole rest of the day um and it was very much um an addiction it was it was very much like him and i uh just plain and simple wanted to catch sturgeon and figure out the fishery and we spent so much time just uh debating different ideas and debating different things and then um my friends here who have have taught me everything um there was about two weeks when i first moved down here that that's all we did is we shark fish they taught me like what knots they like to tie um they taught me how to rig differently how to read different runs from fish they uh we waited until there was just this horrible surf day of like five to six foot waves 
And they're like, all right, hop in the kayak and send it. Like, we're going to teach yeah. you how to kayak big waves today. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they, they taught me about, you know, how to read the sandbars, how to read like three waves out so you can pick your gap. And so honestly, like a lot of people look at me as a fisherman um, and congratulate me. But really, I wouldn't be here without the great friends I've made along the way who have taught me in the fisheries, like um, going out for for Gator Gar, uh, Ethan with Bear Claw Outdoors. He was the one who was nice enough to take me out for Gator Gar. But you also like gave me kind of the keys to the kingdom on it. You're like, this is how you do. This is the areas that you look for. This is how you know you have a run. Um, and also, so like, I've just been extremely lucky to like meet professionals in the field. Um, and for some reason they like me <laughs> and, uh, right. you know, they were willing to, to grandfather on that information. And so like, I have done a fair bit of research on my part, but most of what I've learned has been through networking and those friendships that I've acquired. Well, that's, that's a big reason why I chose you as somebody that I wanted coming on here. Cause this, I mean, I'm still early in this podcast space, but that that's sort of like the tone that I want this thing to have, because I think we live in that that age of like, you know, what can you do for me? And like, what can I get out of this? And me, me, me. And like, look what I can do, especially with the social media thing. Everybody's broadcasting, you know, look what I have done and look what I can do. And uh, mm -hmm. so for you to take that kind of path of humility and, and first start by accrediting those that have helped you along the way, like. That is an example of like what a, a real sportsman is supposed to be. And that, that's the kind of voice that I want projected from this program. And that and that's awesome. So it's like, uh, I mean, we our goal shouldn't be like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's nice if you can get some a return out of things, I guess. But, you know, especially when your specialty is species of fish that need to ascend, mm -hmm. you know, or have, you know, I don't know. Um, they need those kind of voices or people that are trying to propel them forward. And I know that the shark fishing world can obviously be that way. There's a certain stigma attached to that. There's a certain stigma attached to Gar. Um, hell, some people, like you said, didn't even know that the sturgeon existed. But I mean, it, it, and I think and I imagine and I'm confident that a guy like you is going to take that and have that sort of pay it forward mentality that once you learn, you can then pass the baton. And in the spirit of the growth of what we do as anglers, I mean, that's the way you've got to be because, you know, I come a across a lot of guys too. I, I think I probably get the same sort of inquiries that you get from people who are interested. Like, Hey, how can I do this? And you can usually gauge when it's somebody that's taking more of the angle of, Hey, tell me exactly how to do this so that I can go do it and then keep it all to myself. You know what I mean? It's a, I don't know. It's, it's a little harder to tell when you're meeting somebody that lives halfway across the country through text, mm -hmm. what their intentions are. And it's easy to become suspicious, especially as an angler, you want to protect everything. But, but we, I mean, if we're going to be ambassadors to this thing and we're going to move the sport along, you can't really take that path. So I appreciate you do that. You do that. But the shark thing for me is like, I've done, I've dabbled a little bit in it. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like you're clearly in the hands of some guys that know what they're doing. And, and I saw who was co-piloting or piloting that that car. Mm -hmm. um, I hope he gets back to his YouTube video soon because that guy puts out some great stuff. But, um, man, it's like in less than a year, you've just through honest and pure and like organic relationship building. I saw that you, you were able to catch great white shark, tiger shark, greater hammerhead. 
uh, those big old dusky sharks. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's just blasting them out of the park. And then you're, you're clearly in great hands, but I'm like that. I mean, it's, you're living a lifestyle that a lot of younger guys fresh out of school should really be striving to do. And, and that was another thing. And I, I, I don't want to like escape that because I feel like we're, we're sort of leaving that part where you talked about leaving college and making the decision to go out and do that. But man, that's rare for somebody to, to, you know, I don't know. It's, it's sort of a risky move for you to pack up all your stuff, head out into the unknown, move more than halfway across the country to pursue what you're passionate about rather than, you know, maybe somebody like me who felt like, uh, you know, there's probably no opportunity to make a, a living doing what I'm passionate about. And I'm sort of like, I got away from that. And now I'm maybe kind of coming back into it. Um, so I, that's an important message what you're given because there's probably a lot of young guys out there listening, honestly. And, and, and that's really, even now I'm, I'm a father of two young kids and that's sort of the tone that I'm, that's like the seed I'm trying to plant in their minds is like, find what you're passionate about and start laying, like laying the groundwork now, because you know, your, your goal in life shouldn't be, I mean, finance, finances are great. It's a great blessing. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm good financially, but uh, the fact that you have put what you're passionate about in the forefront, I mean, that's, that's key. That's, that's critical there. So, I mean, that's an awesome message. Well, and I appreciate that. Um, and honestly, like all of it just kind of happened. Like it, like yeah. looking back at my life and, and uh, the connections I've made, like how I, I met the people who I'm living with now. Um, uh, Spencer Wonder, Terraforma Tackle, he's another one who I have to give credit to. Amazing worldwide fisherman that's caught like everything at this point. Um, and uh, his his friend, Matt, Matt, you Nguyen, I think is how you say it. I think it's pronounced win. I know all these people. I'm like quietly snooping. I feel like a stalker because I know everybody. <laughs> like I know the circle that you run in. I mean, I admire people who catch big fish. Like I watch all these people. But believe it or not, even though I'm hosting a podcast, I'm extremely introverted. Like you would never <laughs> think I've been in leadership positions and all the jobs I've ever had. Every job I've ever was in required me to communicate either with the public when I was in law enforcement or as a leader in management. But on my personal time, I'm like timid, shy. I don't want to go talk to, I don't want anything to do with strangers, but I do a lot mm -hmm. of watching and I, and I know all these guys, but, but yeah, I feel like I just cut you off now. <laughs> oh no, no, you're fine. Um, but I mean, I like on your end, like I do want to give credit, like, um, you know, networking is, is a big thing. And so I think that that's just like a part of, being a man is forcing yourself to do things that you don't want to do, like in exchange for the things that you do want out of life. Um, and so like, you know, on, on your part, like that's also like a very noble thing. And one thing that I've seen is like, you also go out like into the unknown and you're like, Oh, here's a random spot, in a swamp. I think that there's going to be yeah. both. And you just like, you just send it, you know? And I think that's, that's kind of like the, the big key to success in, in the, in the fisheries industry is, you know, you don't know if it's going to pay off or not, but you just, you go out into the unknown and see what happens. Um, you know, I, I think that that's what grows us as a person. Um, but anyways, back to, back to like how I met the people I'm living with here. Um, Matt randomly messaged me. Um, it, was, it was like a little over a year ago. I oh, hang on. I think you cut out for a second. 
I can. uh, There we go. Go ahead. It's okay. I can. I can edit all of this, so it's all good. So Matt, uh, Matt Nguyen, or however you say it. I'm sorry, Matt, if you're watching this, I butchered it. I know, but um, we we had like talked over social media for for a good while and just never met up. Like they were supposed to come to Idaho, it didn't end up working out. Um, and so one day he just messages me. He's like, Hey, me and my friends are going to do a South Florida trip. Would you be interested in joining on? I was like, yes, that sounds awesome. Um, and so it was probably about a week before I was supposed to fly down and they were just going to pick me up from the airport in a van. It was, uh, him, um, and his friend Troy and his friend Nathan. And I was just going to hop in a van with them and we were going to like do like the whole Everglades keys East coast tour. Um, and my sister was living with her boyfriend in Tampa at the time he does door to door sales Mm -hmm. and she calls me up and she was like, Hey brother, which is the thing she says when she needs something from me. And, um, she told me that she wrecked her boyfriend's car and was like, I need you to drive my car down from Idaho. And so I was like, well, if I was going to drive your car down from Idaho, I would have needed to leave like yesterday. Um, so Anyways, in about a day, I found someone to drive down with me. His name was Zach Bush, a friend of mine in the Sturgeon community. Uh, Idaho High Country, I believe, is his handle. Um, and we loaded up my sister's car and drove to Florida from Idaho in a matter of three days, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, met up with, with Matt and all them and, and uh, caught my first shark. I think I caught a lemon shark. And then we kind of, like, went down through the Keys, went... Um, like uh through the everglades up the east coast on the east coast was when i saw my first ever tiger shark it was like a 10 11 foot tiger shark that matthew caught um and i was just absolutely blown away i was like from that second forward i'm like i need to come back and i need to get something that (laughs) side um and uh anyways what i ended up doing was i had networked with the people that i'm living with now um and i hopped on a plane from tampa up to pensacola and met up with them. Uh, I caught like a, a black tip and a black nose that night. We just kind of um, had a little powwow, you know, when you're out fishing, you have those heart to hearts and you really like get to know each other. So yeah. then fast a few months, um, they all flew up to Idaho. We uh, we went over to my sight fishing spot in Oregon where you can get in kayaks and kind of go through this creek and like spot the spot the surgeon and cast a bait to him and roll it down the creek and watch him eat it. And fight them that way so we we sight fished a few uh we got a few on the the big river nothing too huge i think the two biggest we got were like seven foot eight or seven foot ten but you know for for people nothing too huge (laughs) yeah so like amazing how that works yeah so like in the shark community they're like oh yeah seven eight foot shark that's a decent shark and for me like in the sturgeon community i'm also like oh that's a decent sturgeon yeah um but like, it's always my goal is like the, like the size class, like a, like a seven foot gator gar is like, that's a trophy gar. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me, for sturgeon, it's like an eight foot sturgeon in Idaho on surf casting gear is like a trophy sturgeon. Anything above that is, you know, an immaculate species. Right. And so I might take someone out. That's always my goal. Um, and I have different spots. Like there's one spot we can kayak into where like, I usually catch one every single time. But like, there's no guarantee if it's going to be four foot or if it's going to be like seven or eight foot. And the fish in that spot max out at like eight foot two is the biggest I found. So I'll usually take them in there and we'll get 
try and check everyone off, just get the species. You know, we don't know how big it is. And then I've got two or three other spots where it's like head hunting for the monsters. Like you show up and you might only get two or three bites, but if you hook into one, it's almost guaranteed to be over eight foot. Right. <laughs> so no. that's, that's kind of how like I walked people through in Idaho. So they showed up and, and they caught some decent ones and they were, they were very happy with it. And, uh, you know, that friendship just grew over the next year to, um, you know, I, I was in Idaho finishing up my degree, not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't feel like I wanted to go into the research or academia side of fishing just because I didn't think like I was going to be able to make a decent living. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, these guys invited me down and, and, you know, invited me to, to move in with them. And, you know, I just decided I was going to work what jobs I needed to and, and make my way. Um, and uh it was scary and it does suck like leaving behind all the people that you've known but um you know i've found two or three like extremely genuine and beautiful friends that i have down here that like i know would stick their neck out for me and me for them yeah. um and they have done me such a service and like grandfathering me into how to do these things and how to work this fishery and the the difference in the two fisheries is, is crazy because sturgeon are always there they're trapped between sections of dam they can't really leave. Like it's hard to like pitch a bait to a fish that hasn't already had baits pitched to it. So you had like, it's kind of like a, a mental game and, and they go yeah. through different moods. Sometimes they'll eat and sometimes they won't. And that's the frustrating thing is, you know, that there's a fish 20, 30 yards in front of you mm -hmm. and it just doesn't want to eat sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but with sharks, it's like the world's largest lake and you know, things are, it's migratory. So you don't know if something's out there or when it's out there. Um, you, you just, you know, you, you go out, you kayak a bait and you just wait and certain kinds of baits, uh, work better for different species. Certain times of year work for different species. Like that's the biggest thing about Florida I've noticed is, um, different things run at different times of year and they'll pop up for like a month and then just disappear. Right. And then it's All right. I have to wait another 365 days for this month to try and get this fish. <laughs> um and and it's crazy and in the the diversity of things here like you think you have red drum you have black drum uh sheep's head jack creval speckled trout um and that's inshore fishing you get into offshore fishing you have amberjack you have barjack you have uh bonita you have yellowfin you have blackfin um like you get into there's like a sailfish run where people usually catch like two or three sailfish in their kayaks off the bar pier here um there's that you get into sharks we have atlantic sharp nose we have uh black tip black nose bull sharks every once in a while a lemon shark duskies tigers hammers uh and once in a great wild great whites and makos i mean like like the diversity here is crazy right um, oh you could spend a, an entire lifetime in one little section of florida and, and seem like you never really scratch the surface i I totally share the same sentiment and I am, I'm not a lifelong Floridian. I only moved here four years ago, but it's like every time I go out, it's something new, but, uh, I want to, I want to dip into some of the, some of the guiding stuff here in a second, but you know, earlier you said something and I know it's coming from like, you know, it's, it's a coming from a place of humility. You, you said that these things just happen for you. And I feel like, like nothing ever quite just happens, but it's like, and I think back and I reflect back now of how many times, like, I think doors of opportunity are open, but not mm -hmm. everybody like steps through them. You get scared mm -hmm. for whatever reason. 
And I mean, and I know that you have control over whether or not that door gets open or I don't know, it could be the way that you were raised that has provided you the vision to even see the door open. Some people just obliviously want meander through life, not realizing that if they'd have got off on such and such exit, the destination would have been better. But um, the fact that you've got the clarity of vision to recognize what you should is, is awesome. And I, and I, and I just, I want more people to, to understand that, but you know, I, I, and I say that because I recall times where opportunities came up and I was too scared to take them. I'm like, no, if I do that, you know, my, I might lose some kind of finances or I'm too comfortable here. And I feel like sometimes that's like the worst life trap you can get stuck in. It's not the uncomfortable ones. It's the most comfortable positions because you'll never want to venture out of that. So the fact that you're doing it this early um, is is awesome. But it also just going into the guiding because now you, you are you're guiding now. Right. Or are you just kind of assisting the other guys that are guiding you? You're you're in um, that world. I, I am in that world right now. We're technically in like the off season. Um, so so not guiding right now. Um, I I picked up like a, a second job just to kind of get me through the off season. Um, but yeah, um, on the on the guiding side of it, I, I came down and I worked some trips this summer um, and was was fairly busy. Um, it. It was a blessing. It was like I was the first two weeks of like learning how to do that and how to interact with customers and stuff like that. Uh, my mind was just blown. It, it was, uh, you know, you like taking a fish out of water. If we're using fishing metaphors, like I, I came across the country and it was like, um, you know, that as soon as I touched down, like they're like, all right, we've got a trip. You're going to come out and you're going to learn with us. Um. And I mean, it's, it, it gives me so much fulfillment, like to like, I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. But like, I was also like just taking people fishing, just not getting paid for it. However many times back in Idaho. Um, so there, I would say that there is money in it. Like you can pay your bills. Um, and it's kind of, uh, they talk about what's it called? Like Ikigai is like the Japanese term for something that you're good at something, uh, that, like adds value to the world, something that you can make money at. And the intersection of all those three is called Ikigai. Oh, that's interesting. I've never, never heard that one, but that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so this is, I think like for, for me and a select few other people that are in this industry is that's just kind of like what we found we really enjoy. Um, and like the, the social media side of it, like the more that you advertise, the more trips that you get. And then there's, there's also other side hustles that you can get money you can get for it. Like there's apparel and then like YouTube will pay you aside from like the trips that you run. Um, so it's, 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 it's fun. It's like plain and simple. It is fun. The guys who I li uh, live with, what we do is we shark fish and like we lift weights and we talk about fishing and we research different fisheries. Uh, and that's a, <laughs> that's a big part of like how they know so much and how they're able to pass so much on to me um, is they were like, yeah, like you just, you pick something and you research it and you hyper fixate on it. And you learn a lot about it and then you experiment, you try it out and like you, you learn actually doing the thing. And then once you get good enough at that, you find your next hyper fixation. So I'm, um, I'm curious the kind of people that you're getting, like who are going out of their way and they decide of all the different fish in the sea, 
I want to go catch a big shark. I mean, are you dealing with novices here? Are they experienced guys or girls? Or, or I mean, are you dealing with people where it's just, it's literally like the first fish they've ever caught is one of these sharks? I mean, that, I would be, I don't know. It's just interesting to me that like I've always thought about in guiding, I'd be so uh, concerned about, you know, like the safety and well-being of somebody that is in my, uh, I don't know, custody. Or maybe I shouldn't use custody, but they're in, in my uh, span of control. So mm-hmm. you're putting people in front of, you know, apex predators. I mean, is that a fear that you have or like what what are these like what are the kind of people that are that you're encountering that are that are, you know, that your client base? So if I'm being honest, like bass fishermen, like a ton of bass uh-huh. fishermen. Um, a lot of people from the Midwest are people that we're seeing like pop up down here uh, for vacation. And a lot of the business we get is directly correlated to uh, just tourism in general. Like around uh, around holidays, we see a big bump. Uh, summer is just the, the busy season in general. Um, but that's like probably the, the largest um, thing that we see is it's, it's all based around tourism. And apparently for people in the Midwest, this is this is a big destination. So, so they're familiar with fishing, but they're not familiar with like the site. Like most of them have never gone big game fishing before. And most of them have never gone big game fishing from a beach as well. So, um, it's, it's a completely like unique fishery. Um, and the way that like we do it and structure our trips is to try and make sure that there is like that there's nearly no possible way that the clients could get hurt. So like, say, um, we catch a shark, like you're familiar with like grabbing the leader, pulling it up right. on the beach, trying to pin the head down, take the hook out. And so if it's a protected species, then we tell the clients we're like, well, it's a protected species. The law is that you have to practice a no delay release. So like you guys can take pictures of me taking the shark back out into the water as we're releasing it. But that's just kind of that. Like we're we really try to stay on the morally like upside of shark fishing. Um and if it's a non-protected species, like a black tip or a bull shark or something like that, then my job as the guide is to sit right next to the head and put as much pressure down on the head as I can. And then if they want, they can go and kind of like pick up the tail um, and stand behind it. But, uh, you know, as, as far as like getting bit or things like that go, like I have to stand next to the head and like if it thrashes back towards me or the clients, like it's me and then the clients behind me. Um, and at most, like if one wants to walk with us, um, out into the water to help us release it, then I'm there like holding the dorsal fin, like up by the head and the client's behind me. So if it turns or comes at us, like it's my job to be between the shark and the client. Um, and in all the years that they've been running, like they've, they've never had an accident where a guy got hurt or a client got hurt. I think the worst thing that I've seen happen is a shark crash on us guys from us getting like our just skin rubbed raw. Yeah. Or there was like a, a seven foot spinner shark that we caught that was just like machine gun, just going crazy on the beach or we were trying to get the hook out. And uh, my boss straddled it and it right between his legs, just tail smacked him. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Poor, he had to, he had to take a time out, but that's probably like the, the worst thing. Um, I've seen happen. Um, and it's always just because like the guide knows what they're doing. They know how to mess with the business end of a shark, how to do a dangerous thing carefully. And so then you put yourself, uh, between like you and the client. And then also in the contract, it's like, we are not 
responsible for, you know, this, that, and the other thing that may happen during the trip. Um, but for the most part, um, I would say the biggest danger is just like alcohol consumption among the clients. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. Well, I think it's the nature of the fishing is, you know, if there's a lot of sitting and waiting and wait, if it's, you know, assuming it's not a very fast paced night, are you doing mostly at nighttime or is some of this during the, I would think it's um, mostly at night. Uh, so we, we do run into the night just because later in the day means that you don't have to mess with people on the beach right. and like less people around you. That's where I was like, going with that. <laughs> yeah. Less people giving you a hard time. I like, I haven't seen anyone come over and give us a hard time. Like so far, like everyone's like, what are you fishing for? And we're like, Oh, sharks. And they're like, Oh, cool. I'm going to hang out and see if you catch something. It's like, all right, thanks dude. Like I haven't like Karen's so to say, I hate using that. Cause I know some wonderful people named Karen. But, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but I haven't really ran into like a beachgoer that decides to make it our problem. Yeah. Well, I think when shark guys, you know, set up in broad daylight, you're you're almost kind of inviting that sort of negative or the potential for that negative interaction. I mean, you like to think that it's an opportunity to educate. The reality, at least from what I've observed, is you know, you're almost like putting yourself at in harm's way. So it's like, you know, I don't get out there and do it much myself. And a lot of times when I do, I I'm out there solo, which I don't know if that's smart or not, but, but <laughs> I just, at this point I'm under the, especially in an area, like an affluent area down. Well, most of the Florida coast is affluent, but man, you, you go poking around on Sanibel or Naples and you're just, you're asking for the ritzy rich folks who, who would otherwise not know that sharks existed in the ocean to give yeah. you a hard time. But, uh, but no, man, that, that sounds cool. And it, it's like, I think when you get to a point where you're balancing an educational experience and like an, an adventurous experience and you're like blending the two together, I, I imagine the folks are probably coming away from there. And it's a good way too. and I know the name of the game, I'm sure, is to try to secure repeat clients or people that are going to rebook with you time and time again. And, and that's a good way to, to ensure that's happening, because I tell you right now, if I felt like somebody didn't have my like best interest at heart, or they didn't care if I got hurt or not, probably not going to go with them too many more times. So that's interesting. But, uh, you know, you've kind of taken me from where you're from and where you're at now. But I, I mean, I look, I look at a guy like you who seems like he's already kind of rattled off so much in such a short period of time. And I'm curious, like, all right, well, is like, is there an idea of what's next or are you just kind of riding the waves? Uh, no pun intended, but you, <laughs> you got an idea of where you want this thing to go or, Y'all have like a like a bigger picture for, you know, where this is leading. I'm just curious what the future holds. Um, so honestly, like I I don't know. Like I didn't know I was coming down to Florida until I like randomly made a phone call and was like, "Hey, do you guys need help this summer?" And they, like there was probably about a week where I didn't hear from them, where they discussed things over and got back to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but like from, from here, I'm I'm just enjoying things. I think what I want to do is uh try and save money um try and get into the real estate market and start buying houses and renting them out so that i can have passive income and keep taking trips like this right um, Smart. just just yeah just keep uh trying to record and put out videos and like the my loved ones be able to have the finances to uh, bring them out and give them these experiences with me. Cause what's an experience if you don't share it with people that you love. Right. Um, 
And so that's kind of the whole goal is now like I'm kind of shifting from like the fishing and, and still doing that, but also looking into my finances and how can I create passive incomes and build myself up financially um, to be financially independent and then get back to fishing and recording and doing stuff like that. Um, because like historically, I have not had a ton of money because <laughs> I've put it into fishing and those experiences and those travels. Um, and so I would like to have enough money to where I can still get these experiences and travels and not always be pinching pennies. Yeah. Well, if I had to put together a team of guys to go out on some unknown expedition with, I'm not going to pick a bunch of people who come from a great deal of money and have always had the resources they need because I don't know how resourceful can you be or how creative, mm-hmm. how creative minded can you be? Like, I love to be in the company of guys when I actually, you know, on the rare occasions, I am not all to myself. I typically go out with guys that are, I don't know, call them like grinders, but people that like when inevitably the trip goes south, maybe a storm rolls in, a tire blows, you hit that proverbial fork in the road. You need those guys that kind of have that. All right. I, I've been in the shitty situation before. I, I know how to deal with this. I've been here before. So um, that's, that's cool. It's good to like, and that's what I'm curious about. It's, it's always interesting to know like what people's plans are for the future, or at least to have an idea, but you know, not so much without enjoying where you're at now. Cause sounds like you're in a pretty, pretty awesome spot. I mean, you're, you're already, I don't even know how old you are. I mean, uh, I just, 20, yeah. End of ah, December. Guessed it. <laughs> I did a little bit of research on you first, but I promise I, I did not know how old you were, but, uh, I don't know, man. When I was 25, I don't think I had nearly those kind of stories to tell. I'm very happy with experience that I've had and continue to try to make sure that I have those. But, uh, but yeah, just making sure you're enjoying where you're at. But I am curious. I know we're getting a little short on time because one of your buddies is just about to join me here shortly. Um, but you have done a lot of making sure to give credit where credit's due and name dropping a lot of people who've helped you along the way. How would people be able to find you, though, if they're interested? People just got done listening to you speak for an hour. Where would they find you on social media? And especially the name of the guide service, like maybe someone who's listened has said, man, this guy sounds awesome. You know, I'd be interested in going out and experiencing this. Like what's the like, how can they find the guide service or if they wanted to book a trip? Where would they go? Uh, so the the company name, as far as the trip, is called Navarre Beach Shark Fishing. Um, that is uh, the one that I've been operating under thus far. And uh, if you want to find me, I do have a YouTube. It's called Rip and Run Adventures. Uh, I haven't put too much effort into that just because I've been um, focusing on on helping my company stockpile uh, videos. And, you know, I don't want to release the things that are for the company because then that kind of takes away from, from uh, I guess, the clout, so to say, side of it. Um, my Instagram is called rip and run outdoors, no spaces. And it's not like rip and run. It's just like R I P N R U N outdoors, um, or Facebook, just Jacob Wilkins. Um, I try to respond to all my questions. I try to respond to all my followers, uh, just cause I think that there's something to be gained on both ends from every interaction. Um, and also speaking of getting, giving credit where credit's due, like, I really appreciate you inviting me on. Um, and I really respect you as a fisherman and seeing like how um, you've kind of 
gone off into the wilderness on Gator Gar and figured that out and mm-hmm. brought other people into that tutelage and also bowfin, like an, another ancient species yeah. <laughs> alongside with surgeon. I, I think you know, I'll and, always be tied to that fish, which which I like. That's that'll always be the fish that keeps me grounded and helps me remember where I started. So yeah. Uh, um yeah, Amaformes, awesome fish. I've I've caught I think two when I was in the Everglades. Um, and you catch some giants like you. I don't know how you find these spots. You just pattern them. <laughs> and and also like a lot of things that people on social media don't see is is how often people get skunked because on social media we just post the the good stuff. So people are like, man, yeah. you're catching monsters all the time. It's like, no, nah, man, I went two weeks without catching crap. That picture you saw was from like a year ago that I reposted or like I went two weeks and caught one nice fish. Yeah. You know, that's everybody's personal highlight reel. So, yeah. Well, man, I, I, I got to tell you, I really appreciate you coming on. I, uh, I have searched high and low for good, honest people that are, that are trying to promote the fishing, trying to, you know, uh, promote a bigger picture than just their own name. But, uh, you deserve every good thing that comes your way. Um, I wish you nothing but the most of success. I feel like I learned a lot about you. We've kind of known each other from, just the internet side of things. And, you know, except for one very brief phone call a while back, uh, it's, it's good to get to know you. And I hope that, you know, who knows, maybe this year or the next will, uh, I, I feel like eventually we're going to cross paths. What we'll be chasing. I don't know, but it's one of those things that I've been sensing, but, um, mm-hmm. man, I, I really appreciate your time and I wish you nothing but the best. All right. Thanks. Well, same to you, David. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, let me know when you make that trip to Idaho. I'll send you the keys to the kingdom. I want to see you get on a big one. So right, man. Uh, just touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Boundless Pursuit Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, your feedback, comments, and reviews are very important to me. Also, this podcast is just one element to a much bigger content outlet. I urge you to head over to www.haverodswilltravel.com where you'll find audio, visual, and written editorial content. That is three dimensions of awesome fishing content brought to you by a very dynamic team of anglers. I hope that you'll tune in next week as we continue to build this program and have interesting and skilled anglers each Thursday. Thank you for listening.